Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news digests from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Between a full-time job in IT and a full-time job in podcasting, it gets harder and harder to sit down and read the books I'm interested in. This is where Audible comes in. I can listen on my daily commute, relaxing, or while out running errands and still get in the books I've been wanting to get into. You can download titles and listen offline anytime, anywhere. The app is free and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. Now you can try Audible risk-free with a special 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com forward slash nerdery and murdery. That's audibletrial.com forward slash nerdery and murdery. Don't let your busy life get in the way of that great book you've been wanting to read. Go get your free trial of Audible today. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. This is Jeffrey, and we've talked about many times before that I experience problems and struggles with my mental health. And really, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy does work. It's helped for me. But but what is is therapy exactly? It's it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships at work or you're not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's really time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles. And, and it's time to start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And there's a special offer to Nerdery and Murdery listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash nerderyandmurdery. That's betterhelp.com forward slash nerderyandmurdery. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. You're listening to the sweet sounds of Nerdery and Murdery. You're an idiot. All right, welcome to episode 53 of Nerdery and Murdery. 53. I'm Zig with your Nerdery. And I'm Jeffrey with your Murdery. And we are fresh off of our live show that we hope everyone enjoyed. It was a ton of fun. Yes. Uh, we are we are back out of studio. We're, we're doing Zoom again yes. uh, for this recording week. Uh, Will can't be with us, although those of you in listener land, you have no idea whether he's here or not. So that's true. That's true. But all the people who were at the live recording uh, uh, do know what he looks like now. So, yes, that was that was so much fun. Um, I love that Will William just kind of had to sit there and be seen. And, you know, nobody ever gets to see him or hear him talk. Those of you that uh, are patrons, uh, you did get to hear the Q&A during uh for your exclusive and for those times when william was asked a question you just kind of missed where william had to lean over to uh <laughs> to zig and give his answer because he didn't want to speak speak out uh speak out loud so that was it pretty was funny. <laughs> it was very funny it was very funny the audience enjoyed it hopefully we could do another live uh live show because that was that was just great it was really cool so thanks for doing that, that a lot of fun thank you so with Actually, that, we're together. Oh, sure, no problem. I had, I had, a, I had a bunch of fun. So, so with that, we will turn the show over to Zig and the nerdery side of the house. So take it away. Awesome. So for the first uh, episode of season two, or episode fifty-three, however you keep a track 
Uh, we're going to get really nerdy today. We're going to talk about GURPS. Cool. GURPS is the generic universal role-playing system. Uh, it's a tabletop role-playing game system designed to allow for play in any game setting. It was created by Steve Jackson Games and first published in 1986 at a time when most such systems were story or genre-specific. <clears throat> Players control their in-game characters verbally, and success of their actions are determined by the skill of their character. Uh, the difficulty of the action is then rolling uh, of dice. Characters earn points during play, which are used to gain greater abilities. Gaming sessions are story told and run by a game master, a GM, often referred to simply as a GM. Uh, if you're more familiar with Dungeons & Dragons, it would be a DM, but a DM and a GM are basically the same thing. Uh, GURPS won the Origin Award for Best Role-Playing Rules of 1988, and in 2000, it was inducted into the Origins Hall of Fame. Many of its ex expansions have al also won awards. Prior to GURPS, most, uh, most role-playing games, RPGs of the 70s and early 80s, were developed especially, especially for certain gaming environments, and they were largely incompatible with one another. For example, TSR published its Dungeons & Dragons game specifically for a fantasy environment. Another game from the same company, Star Frontiers, was developed for science fiction-based role-play. TSR produced other games uh, for that environment, such as Gamma World, uh, post-apocalyptic adventures, Top Secret, Spies and Secret Agents, Gangbusters, Roaring Twenties Adventures, and Boot Hill, American Old West. Each of these games was set with its own self-contained rule system, and rules for playing each of, uh, each of the games uh, differed greatly from one game to the next. Attempts were made in advanced Dungeons & Dragons to allow cross-genre games using Gamma World and Boot Hill rules. However, characters could only be used in a new genre by converting their st statistics. Although GURPS was preceded by the basic role-playing, or Chaos Chaosium 1980 in the hero system, hero games, a system that it expanded uh, to multiple genres starting in 1982, GURPS was the most uh, commercially successful generic role-playing system uh, to allow players to role-play any environment that they pleased, um, and still using the same set of core rules. The flexibility of environment is greatly aided by the use of technology levels or tech levels that allow a campaign to be set from the Stone Age, tech level zero, to the digital age, tech, led, uh, tech level eight, or beyond. Um, Role-playing games of the 70s and 80s, uh, i.e. Dungeons & Dragons, generally used random numbers generated by dice rolls to assign statistics to player characters. In 1978, Steve Jackson designed a new character generation system for the uh, microgames Melee and Wizard that used a points-buy system. Players were given a fixed number of points with which to buy abilities. The hero system first used uh, by Champions Role-Playing Game, published two years later, also used a point-based system. Um, GURPS emphasizes emphasis on its generic aspect has proven to be a success, successful marketing tactic, as many game series have source engines that can be retrofitted to many different styles. Its approach is, ver is versatility, including real-world measurements whenever possible, reality checking. <laughs> it's an important part of GURPS' book. GURPS also benefited benefited from the many dozens of world books described settings or additional rules in all genres, including science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Many popular game designers began their professional career uh, uh, as GURPS writers, including C.J. Carella, Robin Law, um, S. John Ross, and Fudge creator Stefan O'Sullivan. So, again, we've discussed things like this before, but GURPS was really the first time anybody sort of made a generic system mm -hmm. people were trying it but they were still kind of locked in on character creations and stuff with GURPS you could take a Stone Age character and throw them into an Ultratech world without any modification you just you just throw them in and, and start working did you say it or not is GURPS uh, what, what, what dice system is GURPS um, it's um, they use polyhedrals so dungeon dice versus strictly six-siders? Yes, dungeon okay. dice versus strictly six-siders. Gotcha. <clears throat> the immediate mechanical antecedent of GURPS were Steve Jackson's microgames, Melee and Wizards, uh, both published by Metagaming Concepts, which eventually combined them along with other Steve Jackson games. 
uh, in the labyrinth uh, to form the, the fantasy trip, her early role-playing game. Several of the core concepts of GURPS first appeared in TFT, including the inclusions of strength, dexterity, and intelligence as the core abilities uh, scores for each character. By April of 84, the core rules for GURPS uh, at, the, at this point referred to as the great unnamed universal role-playing system was being play tested in preparation for a GURPS uh, question and answer seminar at Origins in 1984 in Dallas. I did not know that. I did not know the big play, uh, play testing session for GURPS was in, was in Dallas that year. The combat system for GURPS was published in 85 as man-to-man. -man. Uh, fantasy combat from GURPS to meet the deadlines for Origins in 1985 was followed up later that year by the adventure uh, supplement Orc Slayer, which is a great name for a supplement. The basic GURPS uh, set was published in 86 and 87 and included two booklets, one for developing characters and one for adventuring. In 1990, GURPS intersected part of the hacker subculture with the company's uh, Austin, Texas offices were raided by the Secret Service. <laughs> the target was the author of GURPS Cyberpunk in uh, relation to E911 emergency response system documents stolen from Bell South. The incident was a direct contributor to the founding of the Electronic Frontier Foundation. A common misconception holds that this raid was part of Operation Sun Devil and carried out by the FBI. Operation Sun Devil was in action uh, at the same time, but it was completely separate. Um, and there's also uh, Steve Jackson Games, Inc. versus United States Secret Service. Huh? <laughs> he actually had to go to court. <laughs> The 1995 supplement GURPS uh, Illuminati uh, University introduced Agatha Heterodyne, the character who would go on to star in the popular comic seri series Girl Genius in 2001. A free PDF version of the GURPS rules was released in 1998 as GURPS Lite. This limited rules, uh, rule set was also included with various books, such as GURPS Discworld and Transhuman Space. Steve Jackson Games released GURPS 4th Edition at the first day of Gen Con on August 19th, 2004, and it promised to simplify and streamline mo uh, most areas of play and character creation. The changes including modification of the attributes point adjustments, an edited and rationalized skill set, clarification of the differences between abilities from experience and from inborn talent and more detailed language rules and revise the technology levels. Designed by Sean Putch, the fourth edition is sold as two full-color hardcover books as well as in the PDF format. Unlike the last generic system we talked about, um, Savage Worlds, character building in GURPS is kind of thorough. Uh, it does take a gaming session to develop all your characters, uh, much like in Shadowrun. However, much like Savage Worlds. The gameplay in GURPS is really story-driven. You just say what you want to do, and we figure out how you're going to do it. So uh, characters in, in GURPS are built with character points. Uh, for a beginning character, it's an average power game. The fourth edition suggests 100 to 150 points to modify attribute stats, select advantages uh, and disadvantages, and purchase levels and skills. Normal NPCs are built on a 25 to 50 point scale. Uh, Full-fledged heroes are usually have 150 to 250 points, while superheroes are commonly built with 4 to 800 points. The highest point value recorded for a canon character in a GURPS source book is 10,452 points wow. for the Harvester in GURPS Monsters. Yeah, could you imagine coming up against something like that? Uh, yeah, Draco Humunculus. We blew it up with a thing with a satchel of grenades. Done. I, I hate you. I know. <laughs> uh, in principle, a game master can balance the powers of foes to the abilities of the player's characters by uh, comparing their relative point values. Um, attributes. Characters in GURPS have four basic attributes. This is what's really nice and streamlined about GURPS. You've got strength, which is a me measure of a character's physical power and bulk. Ability to lift, carry, and do damage. You have dexterity, which is a me measure of the character's physical agility, coordination, and manual dexterity. You have intelligence, which is a me measure of the character's mental capacity, acuity, and sense of the world. And you have health, a measure of the character's physical stamina, recovery, speed, energy, and vitality, and the ability to resist disease as well. 
Each attribute has a number rating assigned to it. Normally they begin at 10, representing typical human ability, but can go as low as one for nearly useless to 20 or higher for superhuman powers. Anything in the eight to 12 range is considered to be in the normal or average area for humans. Basic attribute score of six or less are considered crippling. Uh, they are so far below the human norm that they are only used for severely handicapped characters. Scores of 15 and more are described as amazing and they are immediately apparent and draw constant comments. So basically your, your world-class shooters have a score of 15 mm -hmm. um, in their dexterity. So, um, whereas a regular person would have 10. Right. Players assign these ratings spending character points. The higher the rating, the more points it will cost the player. However, assigning a score below the average of 10 gives the player points back to assign elsewhere. Since the, almost all skills are based on dexterity or intelligence, those attributes are twice as expensive or yield twice the points if purchased below 10. In earlier editions, uh, before the fourth edition, all attributes followed the same cost progression, where higher attributes cost more per increase than attributes close to the average of 10. Attribute score also determines several secondary characteristics. The four major ones uh, are directly based on a single attribute. So hit points, how much damage or in injury can be sustained based on strength in fourth edition. In previous editions, it was based on HT. Will or willpower, mental focus and strength withstanding stresses based on IQ or intelligence. Perception, PER, uh, generally sensory alertness based on intelligence again. Fatigue points, a measure of exertion, tiredness, and hunger based on uh, HT in fourth edition. In previous edition, it was based directly on strength. The other secondary characteristics are damage, basic lift, basic speed, dodge, move, and they're calculated from one or more of the attributes of values using individual tab tables and formulae. Uh, GURPS also has character advantages and disadvantages. Uh, GURPS has a, prof a profusion of advantages and disadvantages with, which enable players or game masters to customize the characters. The myriad options are available and the rewards the system provides players for carefully creating their characters are attractive to gamers who enjoy a high degree of flexibility in character design. A player can also select numerous uh, disadvantages to uh, differentiate that character. Uh, the system supports mundane traits such as above average or below average wealth, status and reputation, as well as more exotic special abilities and weaknesses. These are uh, categorized as physical, mental or social and an exotic, supernatural, or mundane. Advantage benefits the character and cost points uh, at the time of purchase. Uh, selecting disadvantages return character points and allows players to limit their characters in one way to exchange for being more powerful or gifted in other areas. So as we have said before, when you're generating a character in the system, it behooves you to look into advantages and disadvantages um, because if you're going to play the character as a crazy person anyway, you might as well take the disadvantage for it. Right. Plus, it en enhances game uh, uh, game mechanics later on when you're mm -hmm. actually playing. Um, and you can also tailor the advantages and disadvantages to suit uh, to suit uh, different functions in whatever world you're playing in. Um, these modify the effects and point costs of the advantages and disadvantages. So to create a dragon's breath attack, a player would select the innate attack ability, the ability that allows a player to perform an attack most humans could not, and select a burning attack, normally 20 points. Then the player would modify it as follows. A cone, five yards, plus 100%, limited use, uh, three uh, times a day at minus 20%, and reduced range by one-fifth or minus 20%. That was entirely too much math. Yeah, the final percentage modifier would be plus 60%, making the final cost 32 points for one attack that you can use three times a day. You know, I was going to ask why we didn't play GARPS more because the just the, the, the base of the game sounds intriguing, but now I think I understand why. Yeah, character generation is rough in GURPS if you've never done it. Um, finally, mitigations themselves... Uh, tailor advantages and disadvantages you see you can see this really well in GURPS biotech for uh, examples I 
think I may have listed that one out there. Um, now with skills, GURPS has a wide variety of skills intended to enable it to support any conceivable genre, such as acrobatics and vehicle piloting. Each skill is tied to at least one attribute and the character's abilities in that skill is a function of their base attribute plus or minus a certain amount. The availability of skills depends on the particular genre in which the GURPS game is played. For instance, in a generic medieval fantasy setting, skills for operating a computer or flying a fighter jet would, would not normally be available. You can still get them, but they're going to be expensive. Skills are rated by a level that more levels purchased with character points. The better the characters are at that particular skill related to their uh, base attributes. Skills are categorized by difficulty. E uh, easy, average, hard, and very hard. Easy skills cost very few points to purchase uh, the levels in, and the cost for skill level increases with each level of difficulty. Game mechanics allow the eventuality. It may be less expensive to raise the level of the base attribute uh, the base attribute itself, then the skill, depending on uh, purchasing, depending on the purchase cost of, of raising the skill or raising the attribute that it's based on. Again, a lot of math, but if you sit down and really think about it while you're at it, and it's only one book, you know, the, char the character generation for GURPS is one book. Um, then you, you go in and you get, you can get different adventure books or different uh, genre books but as far as character creation it's one little book so go in read that understand how it works and this really shouldn't be that difficult mm -hmm. it just it takes a little bit of time and math and math yes yeah it probably wouldn't hurt to have a calculator <laughs> <laughs> some skills also have a tech level rating attached to them to differentiate between skills that concern similar concepts but whose tasks are accomplished in different ways so i.e., you know, a tech level rating of like two, um, and you're a weapons maker, well, that means you can make swords and bows and arrows. But if you're a weapons maker at a tech level 12, you're making rail guns, you know? So it's, you know, it, it's kind of dependent on that too. So success rolls. GURPS use six-sided dice for all gaming mechanics using standard dice notation. Oh, that's right. That's right. They do use sixes. I'm sorry. I lied earlier. It's okay. Awesome. I've played GURPS. Sixes versus dungeon dice. Okay. Yeah, I think you use. Okay, I think you're using the dungeon dice in some of the character generation and things like that. I know you have to use percentiles sometimes. Sure. But yeah. Yeah, but I think it is based on sixes. Okay. Making statistics and skill checks in GURPS is a reverse of the mechanics of most other RPGs, where the higher the total of the die roll, the better. GURPS players hopes to roll as low as possible under the tested tested statistics rating or skill level. If that a roll is less then or equal to that number, the check succeeds. That's where some of this this twists my noodle between various <laughs> RPGs is, yeah. you know, when you're a dice roller, you know, we we talk about it that your your dice are very personalized to you. And mm -hmm. when you've got your dice trained to roll high to suddenly switch over to a different game system where they got to roll, go ro low roll. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but you're fucked. <laughs> you just need a separate set of dice for GURPS. That's all yes. it is. Train them to roll low. And when we say training them, okay, so there is a superstition, kids. <laughs> there is a superstition amongst gamers that if only they touch their dice and only they roll their dice, they can train their dice to roll high. Nobody plays with my dice. Yeah, exactly. Nobody. That's that's the way that's the way we all are. Um, it probably is untrue, but we like to believe it anyway. No, it's quite true. Yeah. <laughs> So we will use different sets of dice for different games. Yes. So, so making statistics and skill checks. Um, so uh, I'm sorry, let me give an example. A player makes a pickpocketing test uh, for the character. The character has a pickpocketing skill with a level of 11. Under uh, normal circumstances, an average uh, stressful situation, according to the manual, the player must roll an 11 or less for the character to succeed. If the player rolls above 11, then the character has failed the attempt at pickpocketing. So basically, you take a six-sided dice uh, and you roll two of them and try to get below 11. There are some exceptions to very high or low rolls deemed critical. No matter the level of the skill, a die roll of 18 is always a critical failure. Uh, and a roll of three or four is always a cr uh, critical success. A roll of 17 
is a critical failure as well unless a character uh, relevant skill is 16 or more normal. The game master may decide in such cases that in that in first case, a roll of 18 or 10 plus over the modified skill level, the character has failed miserably and causes something disastrous to happen, or in other cases that he or she succeeds incredibly well and gains some benefit as the result. Now, combat. Combat in GURPS is organized in personal terms, i.e. every character gets a turn each second, and during that character's turn, he or she may take an action such as attack or move. After all characters have taken their action, one second has elapsed. Free actions are simple actions that can be done at any time. Characters in a party have a set initiative that is entirely based upon their basic characters' uh, speed characteristics. So basically, your initiative is the same all the time. You don't have to roll for initiative. Different two, than what we're used to. Yeah, yeah. Um, instead of rolling against a table. Uh, there are two kinds of attacks, melee, possibly with hand-to-hand -hand weapons or unarmed combat, and ranged combat, bows, guns, thrown weapons, and some innate attacks. Attacks made by a character are checked against their skill with a particular weaponry that they carry. For instance, if a character is using a pistol, as with any other skill, it is beneficial to have a high level in the guns skill. Like any other skill check, a player must roll equal to or less than the level of the skill to succeed. Failure means a miss. So basically, you're you're not you're not playing against a target number. You're playing against your own skill level, which kind of makes more sense. You sure. know, when you really sit down sure. and think about it. Yeah. Uh, similar critical hits mean that the the blow might inflict significantly more damage to its target. Critical misses uh, may lead to a rather unpleasant and unexpected event, such as your gun blowing up. Uh, attack modifiers are set by the GM when factoring in things like distance, speed, and cover that makes a successful strike more difficult. After a su successful attack, except in the case of a critical hit, the defender usually gets a chance to avoid the blow. That's called an active defense and takes the form of a dodge, deliberate move deliberately moving out of the way of the perceived path of the attack. Parry attempts to deflect or intercept that attack with a limb uh, or a weapon, or block, an effort to interpose a shield or similar objects between the attacker and the defender's body. Unlike many RPG systems, an active defense is an unopposed check, meaning that in most cases, the success of an attack has no effect on the difficulty of the defense. Dodge is based on the basic speed characteristic, while parry and block are each based on individual combat skills. So, you can always use your dodge because it's based on your speed. But if you want to use a parry, you have to be good at, at at a specific skill for parrying, um, like fencing or karate, uh, shield or cloak. Uh, a common criticism is that the characters can achieve a relatively high active defense value, drawing out fights considerably. Combat in GURPS takes a while. Um, that places the adversary in an unfavorable position, reducing the active defense against the character only on the subsequent turn. Certain skills, attributes, and equipment, when strung together, can be used uh, to great effect. Uh, let us say a gunslinger from the Old West is facing a foe. He can use the combat reflexibility to react before his enemy. Uh, the faster all pistol skill to get his two guns out, the gunslinger's ability to allow him to skip the aiming step, and the dual weapon attack skill to fire both guns at once. This would have taken around six turns as opposed to just the one if you string the right skills together. So damage. Damage from muscle-powered weapons, clubs, swords, bows, etc. is calculated based on the character's strength rating. The weaker a character is physically, the less damage he or she is capable of inflicting with such a weapon. Purely mechanical weapons, guns, beams, sabers, bombs, etc. have a set damage value. I'm sorry, beam sabers. Lightsabers. Uh, when damage is inflicted upon characters, uh, it is deducted from their hit points, which are calculated from the strength set. Hit points are derived from the health stat. Like most other RPGs, a loss of hit points indicates physical harm being inflicted upon a character that can potentially lead to death, um, but it also garners you penalties when you're trying to do things. So if you lose a bunch of hit points, uh, like in Shadowrun, as your condition goes down, the difficulty in resisting attack or mounting an attack uh, goes up because you're injured. Makes sense. It's the same way in GURPS. Uh, now, advancement. Character advance, uh, 
advancement follows the same system as character creation. Characters are awarded character points to improve themselves at regular intervals, usually at the end of a game session or story. GMs are free to distribute uh, experience points or XP as they see fit. Uh, this contrasts with some of the traditional RPGs where players received a predicted amount of experience point for defeating foes. The book recommends recommends providing one to three points for completing objectives and one to three points for good role playing per game session. Advancements can can also come through study, work, or other activities either during gameplay or between sessions. In general, 200 hours of study equals one character point. I love that they put that out there. No one else ever wrote that down. Right. GURPS, right. GURPS is the only one to ever go. If your character does 200 hours of study, they get one character point. Right. And that can be applied to the area being studied. Self-study and on-the-job experience take more time per character point with high-tech uh, teaching aids can reduce the time required. Some intensive situations uh, left character advance quickly and most uh, waking hours are considered study. For instance, characters traveling through the Amazon may count every waking moment as studying a, of jungle survival. While living in a foreign country could count as eight hours per day of language study or more. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. You know, you go someplace where they speak a different language. You sure. just learn how to do it. Um, the computer game publisher Interplay licensed GURPS uh, as the basis for a post-nuclear war role-playing game called Fallout in 1995. Really? Yes. Later in development, Interplay replaced the GURPS character building system with their own special system. But according to Steve Jackson, it's a statement on the Interplay website uh, to the effect that it was a mutual decision. Uh, Steve Jackson and Interplay uh, is not true. We were not clear what the purpose was to finish and release the game without the GURPS license entails for us or for the game and have absolutely not agreed to it. Uh, Brian Fargo, one of the executive producers of Fallout, stated that during an interview that Interplay dropped out of the licensing deal following fundamental disagreements for the game's concept with Steve Jackson himself. Uh, was offended by the nature of the content and the, the the direction it was going in. He saw the opening cinematic and he just wouldn't approve on it. Wow. Yeah. Now another game uh, or another book called GURPS for Dummies, a guidebook by Stuart J. Stupel, uh in the Four Dummies series is actually out there. It probably wouldn't hurt to pick that bad boy up if you're going to play a GURPS game. Sounds like it. Yeah. Now GURPS is still in production and I know that... Uh, I want to say Savage Worlds is looking to produce uh, some GURP supplements. Mm -hmm. um, Don has a lot. Don has a lot of the old GURP supplements. Uh, if he ever wants to get rid of them, I, I have a home for them. <laughs> but like he's got one for the Sentinels, which is based around Robotech. Not, um, not the Japanese version, but the American version where they strung a bunch of stuff together. Right. Um, but it is... It is phenomenal. It's beautiful. It's well drawn. It's it's well recorded. We've never played it, but I know that book front to back because I just I found it fascinating and beautiful. I know that uh, our good friend had a had a standing uh, GURPS Ultratech game that lasted for years and years and years. She has uh, since passed away, but we always remember Team Apocalypse because they were a that was a GURPS Ultratech running group. So, yeah, I, I, GURPS, I've been around it quite a bit. I haven't played very much of it. I, don't, I played a little bit. I don't know that I've played GURPS at all. You never played in, in that Ultratech game? I don't think so. Huh. Don't maybe, we think... Should, maybe we should throw a, a GURPS run together at some point. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting enough to, 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 to give it a shot. I mean, I love the fact that you can pretty much create any type of character for any different type of scenario. And that's yeah. that, that appeals to me quite a bit, you know, some systems you get very limited and very pigeonholed in mm -hmm. the type of character you can create. Um, and so that's why I appreciate games like these where I can say, yeah, I want to be this, uh, biotech guy that has psionic powers and, but I also wanted to be a great shooter and it's like, uh, okay, we can figure that out somehow. Yeah. We, we can work that out. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it, it's just noodling with the numbers. And like right. I said, that is part of the, 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 the length of character creation in GURPS is, is noodling the numbers to make the character come out like you want. Right. Um, 
But I would recommend this to, you know, some of our listeners out there who may be thinking about getting into role-playing games, but, you know, D&D can be daunting for people. Sure. I get that. Sure. I, I like playing it. You like playing it. We know lots of other people who like playing it, but it can be very, very daunting. Uh, games well, it's, like it's so can Shadowrun. Yeah, so can Shadowrun. Games like this are much easier to get into. If the first game you ever play is a Savage Worlds or a GURPS or a, or a Rifts game, um, it's much easier to learn to play role-playing games in general because role-playing games are basically, I don't want to say basically all the same because the rules are different, but you know, what you're doing is basically the same thing. Right. If you can make an easier entry into that, why not? Well, and one of the things, too, uh, you know, a lot of the very specific genres, Dungeons and Dragons, Shadowrun, um, you're, you're, you're in a very specific time period in a specific world looking at very specific things, whereas something like GURPS or Savage Worlds really allow you to expand out to do just about whatever you want. Yeah. And, and it allows you to actually do the basic fundamentals and that's role play. Yeah. Because if you're not allowed to role play because you're, you're stuck on, on a rail with, with a certain type of rule system, yeah. it doesn't really make for role playing. And that's, that's, that's the interesting part about doing it is, is the actual role playing aspect of it. Oh yeah. Most assuredly. So you get, you get to have, you get to have a little more fun with it. And that's the whole purpose of this. Right. It's to have a good time. Absolutely. Not to, not to show how smart the GM or the players are. It's to have a good time. It's to be goofy. So that is about it for GURPS. Other than kids, get out there and play it. You can get a, you could purchase a PDF co copy for next to nothing. If you would rather have something in your hands, you could pick up a hardcover book. They've produced four editions. I think they may be coming out with a fifth or have already come out with a fifth. Um, I know it's only went up to the fourth edition. Um, but yeah, it's out there. Get the basic rule set. Get the character creation set and the adventuring set. But I guarantee if you walk into any half-price bookstore right now, there's most likely a GURPS book sitting there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh, a character creation book and a, a main book. You just pick one up. Yep. yep. You can also pick up GURPS for dummies, too, which might help as well. Help with all the math. Help with all the math. Why you're doing all of this math. And you're, you're going to want to pop out your calculator app on your phone. But yeah, kids, get out there and play GURPS. It's, it's worth it. It's fun. Cool. All right, then. With that, we will step over to the murdery side of the house. Murder. For my information today, I got uh, my sources from Wikipedia, Criminal Minds Wiki, All That's Interesting, and Murderpedia. And today, I'm going to tell the story of Carl Panzram. Carl Panzram. So, Charles Carl, Carl Panzram was an American serial killer. He was a pederast. This was a word I was not familiar with before. That's one who engages with sexual activity of a boy or a youth. Uh, he was a rapist, a child molester, an arsonist, a robber, and a burglar. Wow, it, this sounds like a fine fellow. Yes, this is a fine, upstanding citizen. Uh, in prison confessions and in his autobiography, Pandram gleefully claimed to have committed 21 murders, most of which could not be corroborated. He also claimed to more than 1,000 acts of sodomy on boys and men. After a series of imprisonments and escapes, he was executed in 1930 for the murder of a prison employee at Leavenworth Federal Prison. Only five of Pandram's confessed murders could be confirmed, but he is suspected to have killed more than 100 men in total in the United States alone, as well as, well as several overseas murders. And he also did not have one bit of remorse. For his own words, he said, quote, for these things, I am not in the least bit sorry. Wow. So Carl was born to a large family on June 28, 1891 in Grand Forks, uh, East Grand Forks, Minnesota. Pandram was the son of East Prussian immigrants, uh, Johann John Gottlieb Panzram and Mathilda Elizabeth Lizzie Panzram. He was raised on his family farm with eight siblings. At a very young age, he was forced to work on, the on his parents' farm. 
during his early childhood, truancy laws came into effect, which forced parents to send their children to school. And Pandram's parents were not happy to be losing their children to school during the day and forced them to work in the fields throughout the night. Pandram later reported he would get just two hours sleep as a young child before he would have to get up for school. Uh, punishments in the home ranged from being chained to being starved. And Pandram later said that he felt from a young age that he was not liked by other children. His father actually abandoned the family when Pandram was just a little boy. And by the age of five or six, he was a liar and thief and claimed that he became meaner the older he grew. In 1899, at age eight, Pandram was charged in juvenile court with being drunk and disorderly, age eight. Eight. Drunk and disorderly at eight. In 1903, at age 11, he was arrested and jailed for being junk, drunk and incorrigible, which was a term used for detaining youths. Also in 1903, at age 11, Pandram stole some cake, apples, and a revolver from a neighbor's home. And in October of 1903, his parents sent him to the Minnesota State Training School, purportedly, a, which was a reform school. And according to his own autobiography, while there, he was repeatedly beaten, tortured, and raped by staff members in what attendees dubbed the, quote, paint shop. Uh, children were said to leave these sessions, pa sessions painted with bruises and blood. And Pandram hated the school so much that he decided to burn it down and so did so without detection on July 7th, 1905. Wow. He's aged 13 years old. Already committing arson. Wow. In January of 1906, Pandram was paroled from Red Wing Training School, where he had been detained after stealing money from his mother's pocketbook. By his teens, he had become an alcoholic and was repeatedly in trouble with authorities, often for burglary and theft. He ran away from home and became a hobo at age 14, a couple weeks after his parole and two weeks after uh, attempting to kill a Lutheran cleric with a revolver. Wow. He often traveled via train cars and later claimed to have been gang raped by a group of hobos aboard a train. And according to him, the whole thing shocked him, but left him a much wiser boy and one that would start raping others himself. Pandram claimed that after escaping from a Montana state reform school, along with an inmate named Jimmy Benson, both were involved in a string of burglaries, robberies, and arsons throughout the Midwest until they split up. In 1907, at age 15, after getting drunk in a Montana saloon, Pandram enlisted in the United States Army. Shortly thereafter, he was convicted of larceny and served a prison sentence from April 20th, 1908 to 1910 in the United States Disciplinary Barracks at Fort Leavenworth. Uh, U.S. Secretary of War William Howard Taft himself approved the sentence. Wow. Pandram later claimed that any goodness, goodness left in him was smashed out during this Leavenworth imprisonment. After his release and dishonorable discharge, Pandram resumed his career as a thief. He was stealing items that ranged from bicycles to yachts, and he was caught and imprisoned multiple times. He served under his own name uh, in various aliases in Fresno, California, Rusk, Texas, uh, the Dallas, Oregon, Harrison, Idaho, Butte, Montana, Montana State Prison, Oregon State Penitentiary, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Sing Sing Correctional Facility, Clinton Correctional Facility, and Washington, D.C. Man, this dude rode the rails. <laughs> While incarcerated, Panzerim frequently attacked officers and refused to follow their orders, and officers retaliated, subject, subjecting him to beatings and other punishments. In his autobiography, Panzerim wrote that he was rage personified and that he would often rape men who he had robbed. He was noted for his large stature and physical strength due to years of hard labor at Leavenworth and other prisons, which aided him in overpowering most many encountered. He also engaged in vandalism and arson. By his own admission, one of the few times he did not engage in criminal activities was when he was employed as a strike breaker against union employees. On one occasion, he tried to sign aboard as a ship steward on an army transport vessel, but was discharged when he reported to work intoxicated. Uh, Pandram claimed in his 1929 autobiography that after serving a short sentence at Rusk, Texas, he went to uh, he went to Juarez, Mexico. I wasn't going to probably pronounce that whole name. Right he went to Juarez, Mexico in the winter of 1910 to try to enlist in the Mexican federal or in the federal Mexican army. He took a train to Del Rio, Texas, and got off in a small town 50 to 100 miles east of El Paso. 
And he later claimed to have abducted, assaulted, kicked, and strangled a man about a mile from town and stole $35 from him. In the summer of 1911, Pandram, going by the alias Jefferson Davis, <laughs> was arrested in Fresno, California for stealing a bicycle, and he was sentenced to six months in county jail, but he escaped after 30 days. In 1913, going by the alias Jack Allen, he was arrested in the Dallas, uh, Oregon for highway robbery, assault, and sodomy, and he broke out of jail after two to three months. While on the run, he used the alias Jeff Davis. He then got arrested in Harrison, Idaho, but he managed to escape from the county jail. And then he was arrested in Chinook, Montana, under the alias Jefferson Davis and sentenced to one year in prison for burglary and served at the Montana State Prison. On April 27, 1913, Pandram, using his, his Jefferson Davis alias, was admitted to the state prison at Deer Lodge, Montana, but he would escape on November 13th. Within a week, he was arrested for burglary, giving his name as Jeff Rhodes and Three Forks, and he was incarcerated at Deer Lodge for an additional year. He was then released on March 3rd, 1915. On June 1st, Pandram burglarized a house in Astoria, Oregon, where he was soon arrested after attempting to sell some of the stolen items. And then under the name Jeff Baldwin, he was sentenced to seven years in prison to be served at the Oregon State, Penetration, State Penitentiary in State Salem. Penetration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Penitentiary in Salem, where he was taken on June 24th. Uh, Warren Harry Minto believed in harsh treatment of inmates and life at Oregon State Penitentiary was tough. The guards took an immediate dislike to Pandram and made his life a living hell. They constantly beat him, hung him from the rafters, and placed him in solitary confinement for 61 days. While in solitary confinement, Pandram supposedly ate little else but cockroaches. Oh. Later, Pandram stated that he swore he would never do that seven years, and I defy the wardens and all the officers to make me. Later that year, Pandram helped fellow inmate Otto Hooker escape from the prison. And while attempting to evade recapture, Hooker killed Minto. This event marks uh, Pandram's first known involvement in a murder as an accessory before the fact. And in prison, he falsely gave his age as 30 and his place as Alabama, and he stayed disoccupation as thief. <laughs> uh, Pandram was disciplined several times while at Salem, including 61 days in solitary confinement before escaping on September 18, 1917. Boy, these things just weren't escape proof, were they? No, now, either that or he was just really good at getting out of them. Yeah. Uh, after two shootouts in which he attempted to shoot Chief Deputy Sheriff Joseph from, he was recaptured and returned to prison. On May 12, 1918, he escaped again by sawing through the bars of his cell and caught a freight train heading east. He began going by the name John O'Leary and shaved off his mustache to change his, his appearance, and then he would never return to the Northwest. Allegedly, he ended up in, Nor in New York City and got a seaman identification card and sailed on the steamship James S. Whitney to Panama. There, he tried to steal a small boat with the help of a drunken sailor who killed everyone on board and was arrested. Still free, though, Pandram traveled to Peru to work in a copper mine. And after that, he, he traveled to Chile, Port Arthur, Texas, London, Edinburgh, Paris, and Hamburg. Wow. Oh, he's traveling. In 1920, he committed a robbery in Newport, Rhode Island. And in August of 1920, Pandram burglarized the William H. Taft Mansion in New Haven, Connecticut, a home of William Howard Taft, former president of the United States. Pandram believed that Taft was responsible for his Leavenworth imprisonment. Well, yeah, yeah he, he signed off on it. He signed it. So he, started, he stole a large amount of jewelry and bonds, as well as Taft's Colt M1911 45 caliber handgun. Pandra and them took off on a murder spree that spanned eight years in multiple countries. With the money stolen from Taft, he bought a yacht, the Aquista. He lured sailors away from New York City bars, got them drunk, raped them, and shot them with Taft's pistol, and then dumped their body near Execution Rock's light in Long Island Sound. Holy crap. Claimed to have killed 10 men. The sailors' murders ended only after the Aquista ran aground and sank near Atlantic City, during which his last two potential victims escaped to parts unknown. On October 26, 1920, Pandram, using the pseudonym John O'Leary, was arrested in Stamford, Connecticut, for burglary and possession of a loaded handgun. And in 1921, he served six months in jail in Bridgeport, Connecticut. 
Panjaram caught a ship to the southern Africa to southern Africa and landed in Luanda, the capital of colonial Portuguese Angola. And in 1921, Panjaram was foreman of an oil rig in Angola. He later burned it down in what he said was spitefulness. He later claimed while in Angola, he raped and killed a boy estimated to be 11 years old. And in his confession of this murder, he wrote, his brains were coming out his ears when I left him and he will never be any debtor. Wow. He also claimed that he hired a boat with six rowers, shot the rowers with a Luger pistol, and later threw their bodies to the crocodiles. About a year later, Carl grew tired of Africa and decided to move on, and his next port of call was to be Lisbon. However, it turned out the police were looking for Panjram in Portugal, aware of his murders in Africa, and so feeling trapped, Panjram decided to return to America. After his return to the United States, Panjram asserted that he raped and killed two small boys, beating one to death with a rock on July 18, 1922 in Salem, Massachusetts, and then strangling the other that year later near New Haven. After his murder spree in Salem, Panjram worked as a night watchman in Yonkers, New York, north of Manhattan at Abaco Mill Factory. He had sex with a 15-year-old boy named George Wallison. In Providence, he stole a yawl and sailed to New Haven, seeking victims to rob and rape and boats to steal. In June 1923 in New, York, New Rochelle, New York, he stole a yacht belonging to the police chief of New Rochelle. Oh, my God. <laughs> He picked up George and promised him a job on the boat, but instead sodomized him. And on June 27th, near the river, uh, on the river near Kingston, uh, Pantram claimed he used a 38 caliber pistol from the stolen yacht to kill a man attempting to rob him on the yacht. Pantram threw the body into the river. And then on June 28th, Pantram and George docked at Poughkeepsie. And then Pantram stole $1,000 worth of fishing nets. At Newburgh, New York, George, having witnessed the murder the day before, jumped overboard and sh- swam to shore. He reported to the police at Yonkers that he had been sexually assaulted uh, by Pandram using the name Captain John O'Leary, so an alert then went out for that name. And on June 29th, John O'Leary was arrested in Nyack, New York. On July 9th, Pandram attempted to escape from jail. He later conned his lawyer by giving him ownership of a stolen boat and returned for bail money. And then Pandrem skipped bail and the boat was confiscated by government agents. On August 26th, O'Leary, quote, quote, unquote, O'Leary was arrested in Larchmont, New York, after breaking into a train depot. Three days later, on August 29th, O'Leary was cleared as a suspect in the stabbing death of Dorothy Kaufman of Greenberg, New York, committed a month prior, and he was sentenced to five years imprisonment. While in county jail, he confessed to the alias Jeff Baldwin and that he was wanted in Oregon. And in October, Pandram was imprisoned at Clinton Prison in Denimora, New York, but he would be discharged in July 1928. And he committed and he and he allegedly committed a murder that summer in Baltimore, Maryland. Holy crap. On August 30th, 1928, Pandram was arrested in Baltimore for a Washington, D.C. burglary, stealing a radio and jewelry from the home of a dentist on August 20th. During his interrogation, he confessed to killing three young boys earlier that month, one in Salem, one in Connecticut, and a 14-year-old newsboy in Philadelphia. Pandram later wrote that he had contemplated mass murder and other acts of mayhem, such as poisoning a city's water supply with arsenic, or scuttling a British warship in New York Harbor to provoke a war between the United States and Britain. <laughs> wow. This guy's just not, there's no redeeming qualities whatsoever. No, none whatsoever. This is just a bad guy. It's <laughs> a bad dude. I, and I, <coughs> excuse me for coughing so much. <clears throat> Sorry. No okay. worries. In light of his extensive criminal record, Panjram was sentenced to 25 years to life upon leaving Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary, identified as inmate number 31614. He warned the warden, I'll, I'll kill the man that bought the first man that bothers me. Carl Panjram hated prisons, and he certainly hated the Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary, so he tried to escape, but he wasn't successful. And the guards that caught him beat him unconscious. He was assigned to work in the prison laundry room where the foreman, Robert Warnke, was known to bully and harass other prisoners under him. Warnke soon antagonized Panjram, despite the latter repeatedly warning him to back off. 
And on June 20th, 1929, Pandram made good on his threats and he beat Warnicky to death with an iron bar. Wow. He was convicted and sentenced to death and he refused to allow any appeals to his sentence. In response to offers from death penalty opponents and human rights activists to intervene, he wrote, quote, the only thanks you and your kind will ever get from me for your efforts on my behalf is that I wish you all had one neck and that I had my hands on it. Wow. While on death row, Panzram was befriended by an officer named Henry Philip Lesser, who would give him money to buy cigarettes. Panzram was so astonished by this act of kindness that after Lesser provided him with writing material, Panzram wrote a detailed summary of his crimes and nihilistic philosophy while awaiting execution. Panzram explicitly denied repenting any action, including the robberies, murders, rapes, and arsons he had committed. It began with a straightforward statement, quote, in my lifetime, I have murdered 21 human beings. I have committed thousands of burglaries, robberies, larcenies, arsons, and last but not least, I have committed sodomy on more than 1,000 male human or male human beings. For all these things, I am not in the least bit sorry. He also said, quote, I don't believe in man, God, nor devil. I hate the whole damn human race, including myself. I prayed upon the weak, the harmless, and the unsuspecting. This lesson I was taught by others. Might makes right. Huh. All of Panzram's victims were different, were men of different ages, races, and professions, some of them just children. Many of his murder victims were forcibly sodomized as a way to torture and humiliate them, as, as were a great number of men Panzram raped and didn't kill. Most murder victims were either killed by being shot or beaten to death, although a few were strangled. Panzram was officially hanged on September 5th, 1930. As officers attempted to place a customary black hood over his head, he allegedly spat in the executioner's face and declared, quote, I wish all mankind had one neck so I could choke it. When asked for any last words, he responded, quote, yes, hurry it up, you Hoosier bastard. I could kill a dozen men while you're screwing around. <laughs> And at 6.18 a.m., he was pronounced dead at the age of 39. He was buried in the Leavenworth Penitentiary Cemetery, where his grave is marked only with his prison number, 31614. Uh, Henry Lesser pressed for the manuscript to be published for 40 years, and it was finally released in 1970 as Kill, a, murder, a Journal of Murder. And there was also a 1996 movie, Killer, a Journal of Murder, based on Panzram's final years and starred James Woods as Carl Panzram and Robert Char Sean Leonard as Henry Lesser. And that's the story of Carl Panzram. Wow, that was amazing. I do have, uh, real quick, uh, some fun facts for September 5th, his execution date. So some fun facts besides the scumbag being taken off the earth. <laughs> yep. Who apparently agreed with everybody else, too. Right. Yeah, I really need to be taken out. I'm a piece of crap. I mean, hurry up. I could have killed five people in the time it took you guys to get this done. So also on September 5th, the first Continental Congress assembled in Philadelphia in 1774. Yay! <laughs> Sam, Sam Houston was elected as the first president of the Republic of Texas in 1836. Yay! Uh, 1,000 workers marched in the Labor Day Parade in New York City in 1882. Uh, the, the first gas... You're, you're right over there? And I had something with coconut in it earlier. And it's uh, stuck in the back of my throat. <laughs> the first gasoline pump was delivered to a gasoline dealer in 1885. Yay! The first color record, video recording on magnetic tape was presented in Charlotte, North Carolina in 1953. <laughs> Voyager 1 launched towards, uh, towards flyby of uh, Jupiter in Saturn in 1977. Challenger 3, the eighth space shuttle returned, uh, mission returned to Earth in, 18, in 1983. And finally, Discovery One, the 12th space shuttle, returned to the Earth in 1984. So, yeah, so that's my fun facts and my story of uh, really kind of a bad, bad, bad guy. Yeah, that's a bad dude. Thank you, sir. I mean, there was nothing redeeming about him. Yeah, it's like, oh, I want to feel sorry for this guy. No, he's just a piece of crap. Yeah, there's, there, there's nothing. There's no, I, I mean. Nothing, nothing I could take out of that that would actually make you feel better about that guy at all. So, 
Uh, with that, that's, that'll take us to the end of our recording week. So as always, you can find us on nerderymurdery.com where you can find the links to our social media and our emails so you can get a hold of us. Let us know things you like. Let us know things you don't like. Talk about uh, subjects you want to hear. Uh, you can also find the links to our show notes as well as pictures of items we have discussed. You can find the the uh, our merchandise on our webpage where if you would like to get your Nerdery Murdy fan merchandise and show off your fandom, you can certainly get it there. You can also find the, the, the link to our Patreon where if you wish to become a patron and help donate to the show and help keep us going, we very much appreciate each and every one of our patrons. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. So with that. I've been Zig with your Nerdery. And I'm Jeffrey with your Murdery. Cue the music. Hey.